Good morning, St. James, and happy Mothering Sunday to you. Um, let's begin by looking at our Bible readings for today. Uh, and our first reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and it's chapter 2 and verses 1 to 10. Paul wrote this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our New Testament reading is from John chapter 3 and verses 14 to 21. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light, and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so others can see that they are doing what God wants. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So let's pray and invite God to speak to us by his Holy Spirit. Almighty God, we thank you for the truth of your word and the truth of your spirit which leads us into truth. Would you fill us again and guide us as we look at your word together today? We ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Okay. Now, we are still officially in lockdown, which is why I'm preaching to you uh, through the screen. And so meeting together is something we're thinking about and planning for and dreaming about. But think about the last time that you went to meet someone uh, outside. What time did you meet up? Where did you meet? Did you meet somewhere um, when it was bright and sunny? Uh, was it later? Did you go somewhere that was uh, brightly lit? Uh, a restaurant maybe? Um, in John's Gospel, there is a really strong theme about light and darkness. And all of Jesus' words in this passage are spoken at night. They're spoken at night because Nicodemus, a Pharisee, has come to seek Jesus out, has come to ask him questions about who Jesus is, about what he is teaching, about how he can access and, and engage with the kingdom of God. But he's come at night. He's come at night so that no one else sees. He's come at night to avoid awkward questions from his fellow Pharisees. But uh, for John, he's come at night because he's living in darkness. In John's gospel, it's very clear. You are either in the dark or you are in the light. And Nicodemus, although he is searching and he wants to know the truth, he is in the dark and he's coming to Jesus at night in secret to try and find out more about who Jesus is and what Jesus is actually offering. So Jesus speaks and uh, you have before this passage uh, a lovely, uh, a lovely, <laughs> I find it funny, uh, conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus where uh, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, well, you must be born again. And poor Nicodemus is left going, but, 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 but how? How can a man who is old enter again into his mother's womb? How can you be born twice? How does that work? Uh, and Jesus uh, doesn't answer that question, but says uh, the spirit blows where the spirit wants. You see the wind, you see the trees moving because of the wind, but you don't see the wind. Likewise, you won't see the spirit. And so poor Nicodemus, who has studied scripture, who has studied the law, who has tried his best, we assume, to follow God's law all his life, is just there panicking that he is going to miss what God's spirit is doing. He is going to miss God because he doesn't understand. It doesn't make sense to him. Now, I think it's really helpful for us to look at Nicodemus, a religious person uh, and a person who knew scripture and to understand that he was at this point in the dark. Now, later on, you see Nicodemus arguing uh, for Jesus to be released. You see him going to obtain Jesus' body uh, in order for it to be put in Joseph Arimathea's tomb. He appears to have moved by the end of John's Gospel, into light. He is clearly identified 
as one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, and he's clearly happy uh, taking actions like going to retrieve Jesus' body from the cross that identify him as one of Jesus' disciples. But at this point, he is a religious person. He's someone who knows about God, who follows the rules of the Jewish faith, and yet is still in the dark. Now, in Ephesians, you have Paul writing, and remember Paul, again, brought up Jewish, uh, trained as a Pharisee, brought up following all of the Jewish laws. And he says, um, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. And in verse 3, he says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And I think that's worth, think, worth noting because you've got two good people. Nicodemus is a, a good person, someone who's doing the best that he can and studying and learning to be better, um, but is in the dark. Paul is a Pharisee. He is zealous for uh, the work of God. And he describes himself as being dead in his sins. And I think we have a mistaken view of sin. In that so much of the time we think it's about what we do. What we have said just. It's about our actions. And if we can just manage a day without sinning. Then, then, then somehow we'd have, we'd have achieved something. And actually, it's not, if in this passage, Paul's really clear, you don't earn salvation. You can't get there by your behaviour. If you could, Nicodemus and Paul would have got there. Nicodemus and Paul doing their very best as the highest of the religious people of their day were in the dark. They were dead in their sins. And so therefore you kind of go, oh, well, if they can't be with God with all of that effort with all of that learning all of that culture that says they are in this place and they are uh, helped to understand these things if they are dead and dark what hope is there for any of us well the hope is Jesus and that is the hope for all of us none of us can say well I'm, I'm wearing a dog collar I'm all right, or or I be, I behave really well. I'm good to other people. Uh, I'm really kind. I don't uh, I don't hurt anybody. None of that matters. Nothing matters, except whether or not we believe in Jesus. It just comes down to one perfect life, one person going to the cross and being crucified for all of the hurt, all of the evil in the world. And that is, that could only have been Jesus. A man filled with the Holy Spirit, devoted to his Father in heaven, and obedient in every detail. And so you have uh, Paul writing, uh, God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace 
that you have been saved. So, now at this point I have to hold my hands up that I am preaching to myself as much as anybody. But we have to get off this sense of trying to be good enough. Trying to justify ourselves by our actions, by what we do. The things that we do are important, but they are an outworking. They are the consequence of having been saved and loved by God. Some people have been amazing this weekend and, and taken out our Mother's Day flowers to people. Uh, because you know, I, I hate not being in church, but this is what we do at St. James. Mothering Sunday, we give flowers to those who care and care for others, who love others. Um, and so individuals have come and delivered those this weekend. And that's fantastic. It could not have happened any other way. Does that get them any closer to God? Does it get them any closer to being saved? No, either they are already saved or they are not. I know the people who are delivering, I know they are safe, that is fine. But it is not about something we can earn. It's not about if we could just conquer that one bad habit. If we could just sort out that one relationship where they always rub us up the wrong way and we lose our temper. If we could just sort that, then everything would be fine. No, we were dead in our sins. Now we are alive in Christ, purely because of what Jesus has done. It's nothing to do with you. You have achieved nothing. You can achieve nothing. But out of gratitude to God, then you can offer yourself and you can serve other people. So, the challenge for us is that we read this and we praise God. Quite rightly, it's like God has saved us. We can't save ourselves, but God has done it. God has done what we could not do. And God has brought us into relationship with himself. And that is, it's fantastic. And it's right to worship. And it's right to thank God. It's right to, to bless his name for his mercy in saving those who did not deserve to be saved. But there is also something in Jesus' words, in Paul's words, about the world that we're living in. And so Jesus, in his words to Nicodemus, says, uh, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Anyone who does not believe has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. The judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Now, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't think of myself as doing much evil, but I, I realised there was a very easy illustration um, that shows where this is. I see this in my heart every, well, far more regularly than I would like, to be honest. When we have Zoom meetings... Uh, as vicars, um, as in the different forms we're part of. Uh, I'm part of a couple of different committees that, I'm, uh, that I have to attend, and we all attend on Zoom. And the relief at those meetings where I can turn my camera off and still be part of the meeting, 
because then if I can do that, I, if my camera is switched off, I can check my phone, I can scratch my ears, um, I can take a drink. I can... There is freedom. With the camera on, even if the conversation isn't about, isn't something that I'm directly involved in, I feel like I need to be paying attention. I need to look like I'm paying attention. I need to be attentive and energetic and engaged. And there are some meetings where it is a relief to have the camera off and to listen to take part and switch the camera back on when uh, I have to contribute a report or uh, it's an action that uh, is mine from the previous meeting, that sort of thing. But actually, I like the darkness. In the darkness, there's no accountability. In the darkness, people cannot see what I do. And Jesus says, that's just, that's us, that's humans. Actually, if what we do is wrong, then we don't want anyone to see. And actually, we will avoid attention. We will avoid people um, knowing what's inside our hearts because we're ashamed, because we don't want to have to defend ourselves. We don't want to have to explain because, well, we're not entirely comfortable. We could explain. Now, this week, there has been um, just the tragic death of Sarah Everard, uh, and um, there cannot be a public uh, memorial. Um, there's going to be a vigil uh, in Clapham Park, but obviously there can't, so they're encouraging people to light a candle uh, in their doorways, and we'll do that here tonight. But it's just made me think, and actually it's why I've asked Ali if I could preach this week uh, in place of her. It was going to be her sermon for, for Mothering Sunday. Um, the conversation that's come out this week after, after one tragic death has been of how this sort of violence is all too common. And actually... The actions of men against women in our culture are all too often uh, negative and show uh, attitudes towards women which are so unhelpful. And just to illustrate that, uh, there is a, an, an American called Jordan Katz. He's a sociologist. And he describes how uh, when he goes into colleges... A really simple thing, exercise he gets them to do is he draws uh, a line down the middle of the blackboard, and he puts a, a draws a man on one side, a woman on the other, and he asks all the men um, to list those actions that they take uh, to make sure that to keep themselves uh, from being sexually assaulted. And he says there is generally always just a, an embarrassed laugh. Um, and the answer is either, well, nothing, or the answer is, uh, I can keep out of prison. And that's the end. And then he'll turn to the, the women in the room and ask them to put their hands up and share uh, what actions they take to keep themselves from being sexually assaulted. And that's a conversation that goes on much longer and the list goes down the blackboard 
behind him, whether it's um, walking, holding keys so they protrude from the knuckles as a weapon, whether it's about going places in pairs, whether it's about thinking about what they wear, whether it's sticking to places that are brightly lit, um, whether it's um, carrying pepper spray, maybe it's about um, not jogging with headphones so they can hear who's around them, what's going on, um, whether it's about... If you're using a lift in a public's place, not getting in, if it's just you and one man or you and a group of men, um, there are the list, he says, goes on and on and on. And the men in the room stare, open-mouthed, at all of these things they had no idea about. Now, I'm speaking on this because I'm a man who doesn't have to worry about being sexually assaulted um well i say i don't have to i never have and actually in our society somehow we have this thing whereby uh, for some men it's okay to denigrate women it's okay to talk against them it's okay to um, verbally abuse them it's okay to tell them how they look it's okay to assault them. Uh, and when a line gets crossed, you hope that the law gets involved and there are consequences for them. But conviction rates uh, for sexual assaults, and especially for rapes, is incredibly low. Because for a lot of the time, uh, women say, well, it's just one of those things, you just ignore it. Now, Jesus' words that those who live in darkness love the darkness because what they do is evil uh, is true. I, I think the difficulty with this this stuff about attitudes to women is that most of it is unseen. Most of it is unconscious. People will have ideas about... Um, the roles of men and women, about how men and women should dress, how they should act, also. and they'll come from their parents, they'll come from their friends, it'll come from the media, it'll come from Hollywood, it'll come from all sorts of things. Um, and often it won't be thought through. But clearly at the moment, in our society, there is too much violence against women. When we first went into lockdown last year, many, many charities said, we need to work out how we help uh, women who are in abusive relationships. Because although there are men who are abused in relationships, it is predominantly women. And so there were helplines set up and things to encourage women that if they are stuck at home in a situation that was either physically abusive, emotionally abusive, uh, where someone was controlling them, then there had to be ways to get out. There had to be support for those people. Um, to help them in that situation and there is a role for us as a church to shine a light to shine god's light that where we see things that are um, ungodly where we see uh, language or actions towards people which is not right where people treat other people with a lack of respect a lack of the dignity that should be afforded to anyone made in God's image, then we have a role to speak out against that. 
Now, I'm saying this because um, if you are the person on the receiving end, it's very hard to speak out. How do you speak out except to say, please stop? Actually, if someone is, is being abused, if someone's being given uh, grief, if someone's being treated as less because of their gender, what is needed is for the other people in that situation to step up, people who are around, whether they're just passers-by, to say, this isn't okay. And actually, it goes further than that. I'm part of an organisation called Restored, um, which campaigns on domestic violence, and they have a, a project called First Man Standing. Uh, and in this, what they ask is for all men just to commit to being someone who would stand up for women, which means that if you're in a group, all of men, and someone makes a, a joke which objectifies or... Um, denigrates women actually to to step up and say that that's not okay because we need to change the way that this is happening now this goes back this is all i realized i started with the gospel but this is the gospel this is god has asked us to be part of him in his work of saving the world and that means that those of us who are forgiven, who know that we were dead in our sins, that we were, we were nowhere without God and have now received grace. When we meet those who don't have faith or who have a different faith and don't have that humility in their actions, who believe that they are right and they are allowed, they are, it is permissible for them to treat other people as less, then we have a role as God's uh, witnesses on earth to stand up and say, that's not okay. Everyone is made in God's image. Well, the difficulty is, I, I don't know uh, Sarah Everard, I never, never did, I only know her since her tragic death. But I know plenty of other women you know, I talk about my mother at various points in sermons. I love my mum. I don't want her to be hurt. I have two amazing daughters who I I love with all my heart and I don't want anything negative to happen to them. And so this is about noticing something in our society. Uh, and I will say that, you know, this is one of many injustices that the church is called to fight. Uh, last year, when George Floyd uh, was killed, that was one death. But actually, his death was one of many, but that came to greater attention and caused us to look at um, racism not as being one individual against one other individual, but about things that are systemic, things that are in our culture that prioritise one group over another group. And I think this week we're looking at another one of these, that actually in our culture, women are, are made to suffer more than men. They are treated differently to men. And that will go on unless we as the church, unless we as Christian men stand up against it and say this isn't right.
All are created equal in the eyes of God. All are created in his image. God died for everyone. God so loved the whole world. We've received that. And so we need to we need to share it. But actually sometimes we need to demonstrate it by standing between people who would oppress someone and those who would be oppressed. Always, while we've been at St James, Mothering Sunday has been uh, a day where a woman has preached uh, and I don't take this slot lightly. But I think this is something the church is called to. Jesus showed respect to all the women that he met. We the woman in, at the well in Samaria, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, his own mother, all the way through in his um, in his words, in his speech, in his actions, the woman caught in adultery, Jesus spoke and afforded them dignity where others would take that away. Our readings today are a beautiful account of the gospel, a beautiful account of what God has done for each one of us. But the actions in the news show that there is darkness around us there is evil around us and it is more than just one man who will start his trial on Tuesday we give thanks for our salvation but we are called to shine God's light to all we meet and so uh, for all the men who are listening today this is part of your calling to challenge wrong attitudes to challenge the ill treatment of others and as always on Mothering Sunday uh, for those women who are caring for others, who are showing love to others, whether it's your children uh, or just uh, the children of St. James, uh, neighbours' children, families' children, for that work that you do, thank you. It's through that love and that care that people can glimpse the faithful love of God. We have been redeemed. And God calls us to be part of his redeeming work, which goes on day by day. Let's pray and let's ask God for the strength of his Holy Spirit as we go about his work. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love. Thank you that you loved us so, so much that you gave your only son, that all who believed in you would not perish, but would have eternal life. Lord, we praise you that you rescued us when we were dead in our sins. We thank you that you have given us life. 
and we come to you this morning recognising the evil in the world around us and asking that you strengthen us and you inspire us to shine your light that we might be part of the work of your kingdom coming and your will being done on earth as in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. So, uh, happy Mothering Sunday. Uh, Have a good day, stay safe, uh, and we will speak to you soon. God bless.